Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to the High Velocity Radio Show, where we celebrate top performers producing better results in less time. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. This is going to be a fantastic conversation, and it's part of our real estate series. Please join me in welcoming to the show CEO with the Benjamin Group, Village Premier Collection, and we insure JAG companies, Miss Cherie Benjamin. How are you? How are you, Stone? Thanks for having me. Well, I'm well, but I'm feeling a little less than accomplished as I rattle off three different companies. <laughs> My goodness. Tell us a little bit about mission, purpose. What are you and, and your teams out there really trying to do for folks? When a person really gets to understand who I am, you understand what drives me. It's just a lot of what I've seen that wasn't out there, a lot of leading with a lot more compassion and empathy and all of that. And I've just been in this for a while and there's just a lot of things I saw. And, you know, whenever we have our opportunity to make a change and be a part of that change, I I think we should just go and jump 10 toes into it. Are we talking residential real estate? What What is the focus here? Yeah. So it is in reference to real estate. So Village Premier Collection is founded in the heart of Atlanta, um, right in the middle of Atlanta. We are at the intersection of uh, Lenox and Piedmont. We sit in the Atlanta Tech Village. The owner of that building is actually who our founder is. And I purchased it from him. Um, and we used to be called Village Realty, but I bought that back in 2019. It's really funny how that happened. I was his very first agent that he hired ever. <laughs> so uh, seeing the growth of what that company did um, over the five years that I was there prior to owning it was a was a good accomplishment for him, for him. It's just that he got involved in a lot of different uh, tech startups where, you know, ATV is the fourth largest tech hub in the U.S. So he has his hands in a lot of different things. And then we had this little itty bitty old baby brokerage that I said, you know what? I think I've got a couple of ideas of what I can do with this. So <laughs> I've just taken that and we've had a, a great amount of growth um, over the last now three years, even through the course of the pandemic. So um, yeah, it's been a fun ride. And so all of them kind of feed into that. The Benjamin Group is a team. Um, and then you've got We Insure is a property and casualty um, company uh, also. All right. So if you don't mind, let's go back a little bit further. How did you get into this line of work, into the real estate arena? Were you in a different profession prior to that? I was. And from when I was a little gal, (laughs) I was very young. I was always encouraged to just, you know, it was hard work and make sure you're true to who you are. You know, I I went to school. Um, I'm originally from Maryland, but then we migrated on down to uh, Atlanta to help my parents help start up the Georgia Lottery uh, back in 94. Ah, you know, when you say that time, I feel like it's only like 20 years ago, <laughs> but it's not 20 years ago, but it's okay. Uh, but in my mind, I'm like, oh no, that was like just 20 years. No, it was like almost 30. Okay. But that's when we uh, went down there. I, I went, I actually graduated from Lithia Springs High School out in Lithia Springs, Georgia. 
um, when I was 16 with a 4.0. And I got a bunch of scholarships, I'll tell you that. But then I really, it, it just wasn't, school wasn't challenging enough to me for some odd reason. So I decided to go into the Air Force where I could kind of grow and test my limits and in different ways that traditional, you know, academics couldn't do. Um, I rose through our ranks, got a top secret clearance. It's I had a nice, tough <laughs> job. I, I always tell people, I said, I carried a nine to work every day. I worked underground. Then you had to go through a cage. Then you had to take an elevator to go a little wow. bit further underground where I sat side by side with the uh, with the general of our base on these decisions. So a lot of B lines and EAMs and all of that fun stuff you see in movies. Yeah, that was I was one of those people. But I actually got out of the military, I want to say back in um 90 no 99 I got out of the Air Force. My uh, ex-husband and I moved to Colorado try to get a fresh start. He was still in the army. Um, at the time, I tried to become a stay-at-home mom. And let me tell you, kudos to every stay-at-home mama that's out okay. there, because <laughs> there's no way I could do that. That just was not my thing. And I stumbled across this ad one day um, for a loan officer position. And I answered the ad and I don't know what was wrong with those people, but I actually got hired. <laughs> um, <laughs> but once again, rose through those ranks. I ended up closing the most amount of transactions. And I think my record still stands from the last I was told um, in that company. And it only took me three months to do that. But as baby number three started, making its way on, we decided to move out of Colorado and move back to um, closer to Atlanta, where uh, family was. A few years after that, we got divorced. And that's kind of when my real estate side of my career took off. Hmm. And then, yeah, so let me think, 2016, I joined a company, a uh, coaching company, stayed with them for a while, and then rose through those ranks to becoming one of their national coaches, where I helped a lot of agents go from 200,000, my personal achievement was helping them go from 200,000 to over 2 million in profit in 12 months of their, you know, their 12 month profit worth. And then, like I said, in 2019, I bought Village. And when I purchased it, we had 118 agents, 51 of them left immediately as soon as the acquisition happened. So that was rough. And then a pandemic hit, which made it even harder. But you know, today we are just shy of 500 agents. So we've had a massive amount of growth in the last um, three years. And we've also added on 22 loan officers. So it's been it's been a ride, Stone, I tell you. But that's kind of how the start really happened and how we got here. Well, other than your obvious charm and your contagious enthusiasm, what do you attribute the, the growth and the success to? How did you crack the code on this growth? You know, I um, it's really hard to say exactly one thing, uh, but I, I, I've, there's core values. You know, when you serve, there's certain things that stick with you forever, hmm. I believe. Um, that at least have stuck with me forever. Honesty, service before self, um, integrity in everything that you do. So I'm really big on core values, living them out, holding myself, holding others accountable, putting those blinders on and just staying 
fully focused on your commitments. You know, some people say goals. I use the word commitments because I think that when you commit to doing something, you do it rather than a goal that you can keep on pushing out and pushing out and pushing out a little bit further. So, you know, being a veteran and at the time, I think a big part of my shift and a a little bit of, you know, who I am really came from when September the 11th happened. And, you know, I look at my younger children right now who don't understand, you know, that impact that it had in our country. You know, my ex was stationed down at Fort Carson. I was pregnant with our, with my Let's see. Third, I've got five boys, so had to figure out which kid it was. Uh, with a <laughs> third son, his birthday is actually September the fifteenth of two thousand and one. So he mm. came out four days after that. But one of the things, you know, I remember being pregnant and watching those burning buildings tearing down and tears coming down my face and everything. It was just, it was so life altering. And I think that those of us that were blessed to be alive uh, during those times and that we're still alive now, we the one thing we remember the most is September the 11th. But the number one thing that stands true to me is not September the 11th, it's September the 12th. Because on September the 12th is when we fell back in love with our countries. September the 12th is when we all became brothers and sisters. The, the, the things that we see on social media and all that stuff that happens in our, our country right now was not happening on September the 12th. We were one nation, one cause. And for me, from that day forward, especially being a, a spouse of someone who later went to war and I lost a lot of, a lot of people. And I have a lot of friends who um, were left without their spouse and, and children who were left without their um, parents or one of their parents from that, that it's, it's made it to where I'm, I'm just so determined that I'm going to leave my mark and my mark is going to be a positive one. You know, it's the love, the, the dedication, that I believe that I'm instilling in my organization. And that's just true to the gut of who I am. There's a a proverb, um, it's called Mbutu, and it's an African proverb. And it means that I am because you are, which is very hard for people to understand. You know, we don't get anywhere in life without the assistance and the help of others. You know, so Outside of just I am because you are, that's a hard thing for someone to understand. I'm going to pour and I'm going to invest into you for the greater good of you without looking for an indirect return for me. And I just understand that if I put great out, then good always comes back to me. And that's really just the core of it. And I think that operation out of love first, putting your agents first, going deeper than what you're comfortable um, going deep with to understand who they are and taking yourself out of the equation is really how you can create a shift. And I believe that's what I believe that that's probably the magic, a part of the businesses that I've been able to uh, grow. It's about the people and it's about hearing them and understanding them and really just putting them first. Well, you make such a marvelous point, and, and no doubt with with what you've accomplished and the teams that you have built, you certainly have have landed on some some discipline, some some things that you are just going to live by when it comes to recruiting, developing, 
retaining folks. I, I bet you have a good little list of do's and don'ts and, and principles <laughs> that you live by in this regard, don't you? Oh, yeah, there are standards. And <laughs> you've got to meet those every day. I mean, there there are. Um, you have to have discipline. I mean, discipline is laser focus, right? And I always tell people, I said, do you think about a racehorse? And there's a reason why they wear blinders, because they're not looking to the left or the right, Hmm. right? It's that beauty. It's that strength. And when you think about how powerful they are, um, that focus is that discipline. But the constant pursuit is your diligence. And you must have the diligence there. You know, leaders... Um, as leaders, we have these commitments and we need to keep those commitments. And so I wholeheartedly believe in showing up. I believe in doing what you say you're going to do every single time. I live in Las Vegas. I lived in Las Vegas since I've purchased this company. I lived in Las Vegas before I even bought the company. It takes discipline. It takes diligence to operate 2000 miles away from your entire team. And remember, Stone, I said we entered into a pandemic right after I bought it. Um, Six months, actually, six months, almost six months after it, uh, our world started to shut down. And so there wasn't any traveling for me to go back and forth and go into Atlanta to touch and to love on them and to help them and all of those things. So I had to do the things that I knew I could do. Thank goodness for Zoom. Thank goodness for modern technology. But part of that is also, you know, I had agents that told me, you know what, Cherie, I have a lot of things I have to do. I need to start getting up earlier so I can knock that out. I'm committed to waking up at 4 a.m. And I'll tell you this, Stone, they told me that they were committed to waking up at 4 a.m. I set my alarm for 1 a.m. And at 1 a.m., I woke up and I texted them, are you up yet? Wow. Making sure you're awake because that's what they told me they wanted to do. I'm not holding anyone accountable to something that I believe that they should do. It's them about them. It's their legacy. It's their commitment. It's what they're driving and striving in order to achieve. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to say that I'm willing to go through this with you. Support is, you know, the word support is a verb to me. Did it take you a while to, to get good at this? Was there some scar tissue along the way? Did you fall and skin your knee when it came to hiring and firing? And <laughs> <laughs> Of course, we don't go through anything. But you know what? I believe um, it takes dirt in order to grow. You know, you think about a plant, you think about a tree, mm. you think about something solid. It takes dirt in order to grow. And so there's not a such thing as a failure do we all have the wrong hires at time? Absolutely. But I do thank them for the time that they were willing to commit. I do uh, appreciate the effort that they gave, whether or not it was the right fit for that position. I do at least show enough gratitude for them showing up every day and making that attempt. Now, we have to make a lot of adjustments. There's tons of pitfalls that happen on a daily basis. Um, and trying to grow to where you're ult- where we're ultimately trying to get to. And I don't put a ceiling on any parts of that. You know, there's a lot of different things that um, and decisions that come my way all day long. And it's just about what's best for everyone as a whole, not necessarily what's best for Cherie. You know, and that's how I've just chosen to lead is to take my person, my personal self out of it and look at everyone else and where are we collectively getting to and can we collectively get there faster based upon whatever this decision is and how does that help us as a whole? 
Well, you are clearly finding the work incredibly rewarding. What are you enjoying the most at, at this point in your career? What's the most fun about it? Oh, boy, the most fun is when I see them reach a new level. It's almost like, um, you know, us as parents, when we see our kids hitting certain milestones, it's that proud feeling. Sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming, that proud feeling um, that comes. But that's the thing that I'll be honest with you, it keeps me going. I had um, an agent one time tell me, you know, I say I am because you are. And um, she had hit a huge milestone in her career um, and she was so excited. And she messaged me and she said, you know, I know you say I am because you are. And she said to me, I am because you had the courage to be. And Stone, I tell you, when all the waterworks came, she sent me that message. I was in the middle of a meeting and I looked down and I said, Oh my goodness. <laughs> it I couldn't contain it. I couldn't hold it back because it's it's as if, you know, they get it. They understand. And um the job is not easy, uh but the job is a service and I just believe that servanthood um just goes so much further than uh, you know, trying to just get everything for yourself. And when you see that people understand, it's just like when your kids finally, you know, become adults and I have adult kids and I've got little ones. So these five boys, they go from 23 down to six. Mm -hmm. And when the older ones come and say, you know what, mom, I know that this one time was hard for you and I know what you did. And thank you so much for not giving up on me or thank you so much for you know, sacrificing for me. It's it's kind of that same exact feeling. And that feeling is really what keeps me grinding and it keeps me going, you know, every day. Okay, let's get a little bit of a state of the industry, state of the the climate, if you will. What's happening in real estate at, at this point in time? What's happening now? Oh boy, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> turn off the news, everyone. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> Um, we service a lot of states. So I do have a little bit of a different perspective. Um, we are in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, DC, Maryland, Virginia, Nevada, and Washington. So, um, I, I'm just going to give you a little perspective from that. Um, actually, I think it was a Bloomberg. I saw a quote the other day that said 37% of real estate agents couldn't pay their rent in October, Ooh. which was actually up 10% from September. So these rising interest rates are affecting not just the consumers, but they're also affecting your real estate agents, your loan officers, mortgage companies. It's impacting all service industries, your painters, your electricians, your flooring, your HVAC, your remodeling contractors, people who install appliances, people who want you to come purchase these new appliances. It really affects so many different people outside of just what the general public thinks, real estate agents, loan officers. That's what the general public thinks. Uh -uh. It has a far greater reach than that. Inflation is uh, making everyone hold on to their money 
Uh, like when we were hoarding toilet paper back during the pandemic, you know, interest rates have been creeping up closer to 8% and everybody is really worried about buying. But I'll tell you, you know, when I started back in um 99, we were at 8%. I remember that if I uh, offered a 7.875 interest rate, you know, seven and three eighths, people were like, oh my goodness, it's a steal. Take it. You know, and so I kind of I really do get it. I get why we had a raise in the interest rates. I think that the rates are probably going to end up settling and coming down to about five and a half to six and a half percent. I think that's probably where we're going to be at. We see it tether a little bit up and down from there. Um, but I think somewhere in that one percent range of that five and a half to six and a half percent, if I was a betting woman, that's kind of where I think we'll end up landing. Home prices are starting to level out because the government's trying their best to stabilize our economy. And that's really why we're seeing these rate hikes. You know, the good thing is that we don't have as many people that are panic buying like we did back in um this time last year. You know, we saw a lot of that where people were going in and offering 50, 100 grand over on the price of what the sellers were even asking for that house, you know? Um, so we don't have a lot of that. Right now, instead, they are, a lot of the buyers have been pulling back because they're afraid to buy. And here's one thing that I think the buyers really need to know and understand is that sellers are doing negotiations again. And the sellers that we're seeing that are coming on the market are not sellers that are just coming on to throw it against the wall to see what sticks. They're actually selling because they truly want out of their home. That means that they're really willing to negotiate and to listen to what the buyer's requests are. You know, I have a, uh, we have some few listings now that are, we're starting to see sellers are paying closing costs again. Sellers are, you know, getting a little bit less for their home, or if they're getting more for their home, it's because, or getting right at the asking prices because the buyers are now getting those closing costs paid back again as if it was pre-pandemic. And that's really what we're shifting back towards. You know, home equity is still going to continue to rise. It might not be at this 15 to 20 percent that we saw in the last two years. Typically, you know, year over year, the increase is about four to six percent. And that's kind of what we believe that we're starting to see and where we're going to level out at again. I'm one of the believers that what the pandemic did was actually recorrect where we should have been. If you remember back in 2008, uh, you know, tail end of 2007, going into 2008, so right around 2013 or 14, that deep, that, that real re recession that we were in and how the housing prices just plummeted down and everyone was up, upside down in their homes. If you just go back to that phase, go back to 08, and just calculate a four to six percent increase year over year on that one home from when they bought it, right? So they bought it pre the recession hitting. Um, and if you just did the four to six percent year over year each year, you would land right on where home prices are today. So that's why I kind of believe that what we went through in the recession just kind of or not the recession, I'm sorry, the pandemic shifted us right back to where what you would have been paying for the homes had that not have happened. Real estate strikes me as such a competitive arena. I, I got to ask, how does the whole 
sales and marketing thing work for an organization like yours, work for you, work for your agents? How, how do you go to market and differentiate yourself and, and get that new business, get the listings and that kind of thing? I think it's, it's just very different. And so the power of social media has shifted a lot of uh, things now. So you're seeing a lot of agents go to where their clients are. We all have phones nowadays. We typically have them in our hands, in our pockets, in our purse, or wherever that might be. Um, but our phones are generally with us. And just about everyone is on some sort of a social platform. And that's what you're seeing real estate agents do now is going to where their clients are. Um, they're not as many that are doing the radio or the the traditional radio, let's say that, or the uh, TV ads, they are shifting a lot more into the social media. A lot of the, when you think about it, there's a lot of people that are doing a lot more connected TV. So we're seeing real estate agents shift over into connected TV rather than doing your traditional channel threes, channel fives, those type of stations. They're going to the Hulus and they're going to um, those types of connected TVs down because that's where most people are shifting to. I know for myself, you know, I, being honest, I don't watch the news at all. I don't watch any of them because I just, I'd, I'd rather have my own thoughts. <laughs> I think if you're of one opinion, you watch one station. If you're another opinion, you watch another station and they all appeal to who their listeners and who their audience is. Um, I just could just take the bullet points and that's it. And I can make my own decisions based upon that, you know? And so with that being said, though, there is some strength still in certain radio. There's strength in podcasts. There's strength in your uh, Sirius, your XM radios, your iHeart stations. Um, and that's where I'm seeing real estate agents shift to. Um, what I do believe is that buyers, sellers, all of us are looking for more of a sense of community. Mm. You know, we had two years of not being able to be around each other in the fashion that we chose to, let me say that, to where now more agents are starting to develop that. It's more of a sense of community. It's not this whole, you know, get an internet lead and let me go close it right now. No, build relationships with people. This is a relationship business. And you know, it, it actually makes me smile that we are shifting more to going back to that. Um, and the agents that I believe are having more success are those that believe in building relationships with their clients, not just treating their clients like another transaction. I'm so glad that I asked. And I, I, I think that's incredibly wise counsel. I, uh, I'd like to go back to this character conversation for a moment, if, if we could, because I sense that there's so much more you could, <laughs> you have to share with us. <laughs> Are there some, some aspects of your personal character that, that you've identified or you reflect back on and say, okay, you know, th that's maybe part of why I've, I've made a go uh, of this thing. Character traits that not only we should maybe try to identify in ourselves, but maybe be looking for as we're trying to grow our own teams. Yeah, you know, I um I I think that I kind of command attention. <laughs> yes, you do. I, you know, that okay. box is checked. I, okay. I speak with a little bit of authority when I'm talking business. <laughs> I trust myself and I just don't compromise on that. I'm very analytical though. And so I tend to see holes in business strategies and scale until I have the tools to overcome any roadblocks, you know, just kind of slowly growing my growth. Um when I purchased Village. I looked at the budget and I immediately changed that overhead, which was way 
beyond its growth trajectory. And I think that's where um, a lot of business owners, and when we're speaking about real estate agents, I truly believe that real estate agents are a little different. Um, Real estate agents are are 1099. You know, they hang their license at their Mm. companies. And so therefore they are really all business owners and they are the CEO of their business and they should treat their businesses as such. And that's that's a really core thing for me. You know, the staff of originally of 118 agents when I acquired it is that I had then is actually equivalent to the staff that we have right now that's supporting almost 500 people. You know, I have the ability to kind of adapt to any situation or group of people and I try my best to be a really good listener. I was um, encouraged to in- explore many different cultures growing up so that I can kind of adjust to any scenario or situation that I'm I'm in. Um, a technique that I think that really helps is I've learned how to mirror the way the person speaks to me. And by mirroring and matching their body language, their vocal cadence, it creates a level of trust and a feeling of comfort and ease. And that causes people to open up about their wants and their needs. You know, this approach really helps me, especially when I'm coaching um, an agent, because as soon as I see a little bit of a glimmer of light, you know, I kind of like to pour kerosene on it and help them turn that down all the way up on whatever their (laughs) hopes and what their dreams are. You know, and then this also benefits the clients because I can decipher what they're truly looking at desiring and help um, come up with a strategy in order to make that happen. And as I said before, you know, it's like it's my purpose is really to help amplify what people want and gain faith in their own abilities. So I, I just believe that that's probably some of those characteristics of myself that has just poured over into business that has really um, helped me. Yeah. I am not at all convinced that you're qualified to answer this next question, but I like to ask it of many of my guests and I'm going to take a swing at it anyway. If it ever occurs, how do you choose to address the, the fear of failure? Ah, yeah. Um, I believe that failure is when you quit. The reality is if you're persevering, then you're not failing. You're learning a lesson. If you're shifting to understanding something new or different, once you embrace that reality, it changes the way you think all the way around. Remember I said it takes dirt in order to grow, right? Forward progress is how we stay in alignment with our purpose. If you don't understand what your purpose is, you know, that's okay because it comes to you. As long as you just keep on moving forward, you know, release some of that pressure that we put on ourselves for you to get to whatever that outcome is. And that fear of failure, I just believe you have to, we give grace out so much and we don't give grace to ourselves. And we really have to, when we're learning something, when we're growing through things, we have to have grace with ourselves and just understand that what you're doing, you're not failing, you're learning. And you just say it as many times as you need to. I'm not failing, I'm learning, right? And then ask yourself, what am I learning? And then be sure to look back and evaluate your process and your progress, right? Athletes, I love sports. So I do do a lot of like sports 
Um, when I talk to people, I relate things into sports a lot. I love sports. It's all, it's typically like a team effort that goes behind a lot of it. There's different layers. You know, you have coaches, you have the people that are grinding, you have the people that are, that are sitting there calculating the X's and the O's while the live action is happening. Everything that has to do with it. I really love sports. And when you look at it, think about an athlete and think about the coaches and think about the people who go over the game plan. What do they do? Once they're done, they look at game film. Why? Because they're looking to gain a closer look into every error that could possibly be there to help them for their improvement. If a lineman, for example, steps back on the wrong foot, he might not protect his quarterback the right way. And sometimes you don't see that until you watch your game film. So one of the things that I've always told people is that you have to look at your game film. Do not be afraid of that. It's it's going to help propel you forward. Looking at your game film and studying those things and honing in on those skills and that skill set that you need, I definitely believe that sometimes you have to slow down the process in order to speed up the results. And a lot of times people have a fear of even doing that because they have a fear of failing. And what they don't understand is that when you slow down the process sometimes and you give yourself the grace and you understand that you're learning and you take a look back and you look at your game film, you see where your errors were, you then go into correcting. What you do is you almost put yourself in a slingshot so that when it's time, you catapult past anyone that might have been just keep on trucking along and not taking a look at it. So that's kind of how I've always been able to address my personal fear of failure. I just take it and throw it out the window. Um, I look at my game film. I give myself grace. I understand that I'm just learning. And then I always watch what is going on in between the ears because we talk to ourselves more than what others talk to us. And we are the person that we really need to listen to. And that's really the tongue that we need to watch. If we could adopt the disciplines and engage in the habits that you're describing, I, I have to believe that it would not only have a significant impact on our, on our professional lives, but that's got to bleed over into our personal lives, make us better yeah. husbands, spouses, fathers, all of that, right? Yeah, it improves. To me, I think it improves every aspect of your life and improves your parenting skills because you're able to relate to your children when they're frustrated or they're feeling defeated and you can really encourage their growth. It makes you a better spouse, a better partner because you can offer support when they feel like giving up and you can be that rock, right? In business, you can redirect those you lead to show them what they're learning rather than them seeing that they're failing. You become the rock for others. When they think they've lost, you're able to show them the opportunity and those lessons. It's so powerful to see them become re-energized and go back into the world. And just knowing that you played a little bit of a role in that or a great role in that is so self-fulfilling that it just, it to me, I know for myself, it just keeps me doing it even more. I do not want to end this conversation and I'm going to, 
because we, <laughs> I have to let you get back to running all your companies and leading your people. But oh my goodness, what a delight this has been. Thank you so much for investing the time and the energy to share your perspective. I I have found this uh, this conversation inspiring, informative. I know our listeners have as well. Let's make sure that they have an easy path to connect with you or someone on your team about real estate, or I don't know, maybe even about some of these other topics, whatever <laughs> you feel like is appropriate website, you know, whatever. But I want, I want folks to be able to tap into your work. This is fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Stone. So, um, yeah, so my, our website, our main site is just, uh, village premier, no E on the end dot com. And then anyone can reach me. My name is Cherie and it's spelled C H E R I. So if you're French, you might say Cherie, but <laughs> it's Cherie at village dot com. And if anyone wants to give us a call, it's, it's, um, especially because for your Atlanta listeners, it's 404-965-4080. And I am more than happy to uh, schedule a time to talk with any one of your listeners. Well, Cherie, thank you again. This has been marvelous and what a terrific way to to invest a Thursday afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stone. And thanks for all your listeners for taking the time out. My pleasure. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Cherie Benjamin, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you in the fast lane.